Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midweek Minnesota's Sports Ramble. I'm your host, Eric Ritland. The Midweek Minnesota Sports and Music Rambles are segments on Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad, which will be debuting on October 28th. Discover something new every day with the Eric Ritland Isn't So Bad podcast. Part of Midweek Minnesota is also the Midweek Minnesota Music Ramble, which is also released today, so take a look at that. You can find those on iTunes right now. You can look up uh, Midweek Minnesota on there or just Eric Ritland and you'll find it. For this week's sports segment, we have rambling on twins and wild analyst Peter Ripko with us. What's up, Pete? Not much. Great to be here, Eric. To my radio right in front of me, as I like to say. Because back in the old rambling on podcast days, I would always say to my radio left. Because back at Eastside Studios there was a radio left but now to my radio left is the canada usa soccer game so i don't think it's going to be saying anything we don't need to unmute it sadly it's the most interesting thing on because the cardinals are getting their asses kicked and so are the wild which is sad we'll get to the wild later in the show yeah but i figure we'll talk about the vikings first they won in decisive fashion over the philadelphia eagles the team with the greatest fans in the world <coughs> gotta hit the cough uh, the cough button there. <laughs> so i have some thoughts but what did you think about the the victory it was much more impressive than the week prior uh it was a better team for one yeah outside i, I was kind of happy that we were experiencing the technical difficulties we were last week where we weren't able to record. Right. Uh, because it would have been weird for me to be negative after a blowout victory. Right. Because I even had a was, tweet that said, how are people being negative about this? <laughs> it was but, I mean, it was a blowout victory of a bad team, which was their third blowout victory of a bad team. Right. And they have two losses against good teams, but then again, the Bears lost to Oakland, so... It didn't make any sense. Then the Eagles beat the Packers. None, nothing, yeah. nothing makes any sense. Any given Sunday, as they say. But I was really intrigued by Cousins' play in both games. Yeah. It, I, I'm i not going to go as far as saying that he's turned a corner. I'll say that he's approaching the corner to turn it. <laughs> I think he still is who he is. He's always been able to beat bad teams, which is good. There's a lot of quarterbacks that can't beat bad teams either, so he has that talent. He's also had the talent to beat teams that aren't bad, maybe average to good teams. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. He just hasn't been able to beat good teams. The big question for me is, and I feel like this is what Kirk Cousins comes down to, when they play a good team at some point when it's important, will the blind squirrel find the acorn? That's all you can hope for. Because he's never played well against good teams. He's never played well in big spots. Will he at some point? Yes. He has. He obviously has the talent. So I would actually bet that he will at some point. Whether it's a, a Monday night game or a Sunday night game or a rival game or even a playoff game. He can do it because he's, he's shown, especially in the last two weeks and especially against Philadelphia. Because Philadelphia isn't a great team and their defense isn't great. But they are, they're definitely not terrible. They're not... The New York Giants defense, for instance. And, like, through a season and a third-ish with the Vikings, Cousin, after Sunday, he's now something like 3-8 and 
against teams with winning records. And right. I mean, that tells you right there what he is. Yeah. And until he comes out in a game against L.A. or uh, they don't play L.A. this year, or maybe, Green Bay or Chicago at home. in the playoffs. Yeah, Green playoffs. Bay or Chicago at home. Right. If he comes out and he has a performance like he did in New York or he did this past weekend against Philadelphia, I'll give him his credit. And Or even on the road in Detroit. Yeah. Because we haven't played the game there yet. If him and... Uh, Stafford get into a gun show. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Similar to, what was it, Detroit and Kansas City? Yeah. With Stafford and oh, Mahomes yeah, yeah. going shot for shot. Or um, when the Vikings played the Rams last year. Yeah, or the Rams and Chiefs last year. Yeah. That was insane. That was arena football insane. Yeah. I feel like the biggest cog in the Vikings offense, this just in, everybody put down their drinks because this is a hot take. Is Dalvin Cook. It's just kind of sad how much of a difference he makes. It's good in the sense that we have possibly the best pure running back in the league, and actually the best well-rounded running back, because he can do so many different things, and he can take over a game, and that's good, but if he doesn't do well, we're so stifled, as the Bears game showed. And I still feel like that's the case. (coughs) If Cook can do well, that frees up Cousins to take more chances, yeah, and to see more openings and have more openings, so that it's re- it's actually really simple. Can Cousins overpl- overplay how his talent against good teams, and can Cook do well? Because if those two things can happen, the Vikings can beat anybody anytime, really. Yeah, and with the receiving core they have with Thielen and Diggs, mm-hmm. they're they're a really good duo to have out there. Right. So if if the run game can provide Cousins with a little extra time where he can get the ball to one of them, or if they're moving the pocket, I think I think that was the biggest thing the last two games is it wasn't a three-step three, three step drop, five-step drop, seven-step drop. Right. It was boot left, boot right. Lots of bootlegs. Gets the Move CCR. the pocket. CCR is a song called Bootleg that always gets in my head because of how much the announcers talk about the bootleg that he does. Yeah. It also makes me want to drink some liquor. But most things do that. So I totally derailed you, Peter. Do you have anything else to say? <laughs> You're just thinking about how much li- how much you want some liquor. Now I'm thinking about CCR. Right. <laughs> Good combination, by the way, also. <laughs> so the next topic on the docket. What's a docket, anyway? Document. I should know. I have a degree in words. <laughs> I just didn't want to show off. Anyway, so two nights ago, when this is released, last night as we record this, there was a very controversial NFL football game between the Lions of Detroit, the Motor City Kitties. Who should have put the game away. Who absolutely should have put the game away, but let's not give away the game right away. (laughs) Against the beloved Green Bay Packers. And we're going to start this segment off... With our first listener submission, you can follow us on Twitter at MN Sports Ramble and get your questions in there. Each week we'll have a tweet and you can retweet it with your question and most likely we'll put it on unless you send us like five or they're incoherent, which hasn't happened, fortunately. We've only done it once, Well, it's got a pretty decent response. And the first one is from our friend uh, Professor Pigskin, 
who's one of the hosts of the Kings of the North podcast. Pretty fun podcast. The kind of thing that we would do where it's kind of goofy and a lot of inside jokes and kind of rambly. We did have a podcast called Rambling On, after all, so we're definitely kindred spirits. You can find the Kings of the North podcast on any podcast platform. I I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, which you can also find Midweek Minnesota on if you're not listening to it on there. And all the other platforms, too. But this was his uh, question for us. Very tongue-in-cheek, very fun, very funny. Although, also, he's making a serious point. Here we go. Who is the James Harden of the NFL? Rodgers for always trying to draw defenders offsides. Or Bakhtiari for snapping his head back to trick officials into thinking he had hands on his face. Yes. There's my yeah, answer. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if, that's, pretty, if, that's pretty good right there. If that's not a good promo for why you should listen to the Kings of the North podcast, I don't know what is. If you're going to hold your hands in my face and make me choose, <laughs> right. I'm going to go with the Rodgers. Because the Bakhtiari so play was once, but Rodgers does that all the time. Almost every game, he tries to do the hard count, sell job. I think you you have to use whatever tools you have at your disposal, I feel like. And any team can do it, on the one hand. On the other hand, is it kind of Weasley? Yeah, but people do Weasley things all the time. Not that that makes it good. Yeah, and Harden's... I would say Harden is more Weasley than a flopper. Right. And that's... With Bakhtiari, that's what I would classify him. He belongs more on a soccer pitch than right. a football field. Right. Nice use of the word pitch there. But as far as the Lions-Packer game goes, I saw things a little bit differently than a lot of people did, and I got a lot of crap for it. We lost 20 followers on Twitter because of this. Which I thought was kind of weird, because I was just giving an opinion and being honest about what I saw, and it was different from what everybody else saw right from the very beginning. If you check our Twitter... Somebody immediately said how disgraceful it was, and I retweeted it and said, I didn't see this at all. I didn't think the penalties were that bad. I thought in real time, at least, it looks like those penalties could have happened. There were two very uh, questionable calls against, God, what was his name? I've been listening to commentary about this stupid topic all day. Um, just just a really solid Detroit guy who's never had that penalty called on him in his life. And both of them were in Bakhtiar. They both happened right at the end of the game, and... I thought that they both looked, obviously they both, neither of them were penalties, but I thought they both looked like you could have seen that if you were watching it from a person-to-person angle in real time. That was my only point, and man did I get a bunch of blowback, because the mob was out with their pitchforks ready, it was a complete assumption that this had to be true, and I hate the announcer, did you, were you listening to it last night when it happened? No. The announcer was like, this is a disgrace. This is terrible. And what he said obviously colored the entire narrative. Everybody just believed that. And of course, as Vikings fans, we already wanted to believe it because there's a little bit of confirmation bias, I think, in the Viking fan take that the Packers always get the calls for them and the Vikings always have it against them. I feel like there's some confirmation bias. We just kind of see it. They're against us and for the Pack. Right. But I do feel like there is some truth to that. That's something we could have a whole podcast about. Maybe we could do it with the Kings of the North guys. But I think in this instance, it wasn't so much egregious calls. There's no fix. I saw national people saying that there was a fix or something. It's like, give me a break. It was a human doing a difficult job. Being an NFL ref is a difficult job. Making a mistake that I thought wasn't super egregious. I mean, so just go back to 
plays and you're watching on TV and it's a lot slower on TV. And it's high definition. And it's right on what you're looking at. Go to a game. Or even better yet, go to Ben Lieber's Twitter account. Right. And watch the video he posted of Thielen's touchdown catch on Sunday. Coming at him. And see how fast that is. And tell me that you can pinpoint exactly where a penalty was or wasn't. Right. On a play that that fast. Everything happens a lot faster than you think. Right. TV not only shows you a brighter angle than a referee can see, mm-hmm. but it slows it down. Watch a NASCAR race. Right. And another point... That I, I saw a lot, although not as much as the points about how the refs ruined everything, the refs ruined everything, which is just, it's just kind of like, I feel like a weak take. It, it's a weak take that you just kind of like assume and then regurgitate and don't really think about much. If you look at a lot of the stats, like time of possession, the Lions only scored field goals on three Packer turnovers. If the turnover ratio is three to none, you always win that game. They only got field goals on those. They had five field goals when they were uh, either in the red zone or approaching the red zone. Barry Sanders had a tweet that said the Lions deserved to win that game. Just as it's objectively true that those weren't penalties, it's also objectively true that the Lions did not deserve to to win that game by the way they played. And there was a tinge of irony there because it's literally subjective. (laughs) And I use the word objective. Going a little meta here, but follow me. It's fine. Long story longer, the Lions didn't deserve to win that game Either way, what I would have actually liked to have seen, and this would have taken a lot of guts on the Packers' side, I would have loved to have seen the Packers score right at the end on purpose. Not take They took a dive at the end of the game, so they didn't score right away, so then Stafford didn't have time to do another drive. If the <coughs> Packers had guts, they would have just scored and seen if they could stop Stafford. I would have loved to have seen that, but no team is going to do that. Except for a team that would have been coached by me, because I'm the only person in the world that cares more about Stupid things like dignity and giving someone a fair shot more than they care about winning. One more... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You have something to say? The, like I said, when you're introducing this topic, they should have put it away. Yeah. I mean, the they do what they're supposed to do. Those calls don't mean anything. Right. The 13 men on the field doesn't mean anything. Right. The, go back to the 98... Or not the 98, the... 2009 NFC Championship game down in New Orleans. The Vikings take a knee right. after 12 men in the huddle and kick a field goal. They're into the Super Bowl. Right. Instead of running a play where Favre throws across his body. I mean, then nobody's talking about Bounty Gate or right. anything. Right. I mean, it completely changes the narrative. Two They're, more. Sorry, go ahead. The refs keep, didn't throw that ball. Keep clomping on you. Right. <laughs> Two more quick things. One. Please, God, no more replay <laughs> in the NFL. Games go slow enough anyway. This brings that go the ahead. point I heard on the radio this afternoon was, I don't remember which former player it was, said the best thing they can do is get rid of instant replay for two years, completely get rid of it. No challenges, nothing. Get rid of it. And then bring it back after two years and make sure it's flawless. Right. Which got me thinking, you know what they should do with instant replay? Go back to what it was designed for. Scoring plays, if they were inbounds or out of bounds. Right. On receptions. And if a catch was a fumble or not. Right. They're, the NFL is now allowing the players to show more of their personality and <laughs> celebrations in that. So they're trying to get away from the no fun league 
right. branding that they had. But with their over-regulation now of everything, it's becoming the no-fun league. You sneeze on a quarterback, roughing the passer. Right. You run a everyday pick play that has been in the league forever. It's offensive pass interference now. Right. I mean, there's they've done so much where flags have become almost more apparent during football games than the play on the field. Right. A couple more things about the replay subject. One, no more, like I said. Two, in the next... You said they should maybe take two years off and perfect it. Why don't they just perfect it in the next two years? And Which brings me to another side point with that. The technology is getting so good that in the next... Within five or ten years, I don't know how long it's going to be, we're not going to be talking about it because there will be somebody who can look at a replay immediately from the best angle that we'll be able to figure it out in 30 seconds. There'll be no going under the hood. There'll be no nothing. It'll just, the technology will be there. They'll just have one person on each game. There might not even be any challenges. They'll just be able to... Uh, the, the problem with that scenario is that individual is biased. It's true. No matter what. It's true. I mean, they may not be biased against a team or for a team, but their opinion of what a hold is will be different. My opinion of a hold is different than your opinion of the hold. I guess uniformity would be important. You'd so, have to teach I mean, them all to be the same. I mean, there's only... There to be real specific. Two options to eliminate penalty problems. One, make no penalty reviewable. A penalty is a penalty no matter what. Two, robotic referees. Huh. Just like the robotic strike zone they tried in minor league baseball. Right. And that that's the only way you're going to remove any type of human error out of the system. Right. And, I mean, if you want to go that route, go that route. Have you heard about sky judges? That's yeah, basically same. what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah. But I think what we should just call them is gods. Yeah, overlords. <laughs> overlords. Well, because, you know, the everyone says that, you know, God is the man in the sky or whatever, and he judges you. I mean, if there's a sky judge, isn't that basically the definition of God? <laughs> well, the NFL is kind of playing God with the players' lives, so... Right. Oh, man. And on that note, <laughs> we'll start talking about the wild. That was good. Well done, Pete. So we have our second listener submission from Jeff. And this is kind of a... We're kind of cheating because he's also a contributor to... Yeah, I was say, is, he, is he a listener or is he a contributor? <laughs> <laughs> Both. I mean, we're all, we're all listening, aren't we? Well, actually, I'm not really listening. I'm just waiting to talk, but that's yeah. just me. I'm waiting for that weird, awkward silence so I can say something. Right. <laughs> and then... I'll just clomp on it anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Jeff's submission about the Wild. And by the way, he wrote a really great Wild Season preview that you can find on ramblingon.net. And I'll be posting that probably... I mean, it's been posted, but I'm going to do some more social media push for that in the next week or two. So he says, I might be overly optimistic about the Wild. There are a few players I do believe in on this team who could definitely keep going. But it's the head coach, head coach, Bruce Boudreaux, that I have the most faith in. Would you say that it's too early to make a trade for a top six forward, preferably at center? So I guess the two things I get out of this for you, Pete, and I'll let you handle both of these. Do you have as much faith in Boudreaux, and do you think that they should make a trade? Short answer, yes. Well, it was if it's too early to make a trade. So short answer to both questions is yes. <laughs> okay. Long-winded, rambling-on style answer for the first question with Boudreaux is, I've always had faith in Boudreaux. He knows the game. Mm -hmm. 
his philosophy of what a roster, his ideal roster may be a little outdated, but it worked in Anaheim when the high-flying era started. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is in Anaheim he had top-tier talent. Here he's got second-tier or I would say some above-average talent. Right. So even with the lack of talent this team has compared to the Anaheim team that... Or the Capitals team. Or the Capitals yeah. team. I mean, Both. we're not even going to go to the Capitals right, team. Because that... I mean, Alex Ovechkin changes everything. You're, but You're saying that Parisi's not as good as Ovechkin? You, yeah. But, I mean, you got... Bad fan. You had Perry and Getzloff, and then you had big bruising defensemen. So that philosophy worked, and it slows teams down. If you can slow fast teams down, you can play with them. If you can't slow them down and you give them free passes, a la Kevin Fiala, they <laughs> will skate circles around you, four on four in Winnipeg. Huh. Uh, so I believe that Bruce, it, it would not surprise me if Bruce can muster 90 points out of this club, which would, from what I've seen the first two weeks of the season, would be a hell of an achievement. Right. If nothing changes. <laughs> Uh, on to the second question, it is too early. I mean, they've only played five games. I think the most any team in the league has played is like seven or eight. <laughs> so it's, it's way too early. Nobody's going to be trading. Nobody's going to be a seller. Right. I mean, the only trades you're going to do are those dreaded, uh, Paul Fenton hockey trades, you know, Nino for Victor Rask or... Huh. Coil for Ryan Donato. Fenton's Follies. Or Granlin <laughs> for <laughs> Kevin Fiala. And, I mean, the players on the team have shown the ability to... Glimpses of their talent, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, Monday night, or Monday afternoon. Weird Canadian Thanksgiving noon start. Yeah, I was really annoyed because I was doing my 9 to 5. Hoping to hear some sports talk radio. Because sports, 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 my whole world is just sports. And... And Rask's, the wild. Rask's goal was showed the reason he was so highly touted when he first started in uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, he scored 27 goals. He's got talent. Right. He just needs to figure out how to play the game, it seems. Right. Uh, Zucker. Zucker has shown that he's got talent. He scored 30 goals. Uh, so, I mean, there are players that show that they have the ability. And so that leans to being positive. But you're not going to make a trade for a top six forward this early in the year. Especially since you've been doing as poorly as you have. Some might think, well, then you should definitely make a trade. But if you're not a good team, which the Wild might not be, they're not playing like a good team so far. I, Since it's such a small sample size, I would bet that they get better and are still kind of in the hunt for maybe the last playoff spot. But... You don't know if it's going to get any better. And if it doesn't, wouldn't you want to be selling at that point rather yeah, than trying you to pick get somebody assets up? Right. Instead of end up getting a rental two weeks into the season. Right. That that doesn't make sense. you got to figure out what you have. Garen, being a new GM, has to figure out what this roster looks like and where he thinks it needs to be corrected. Right. And then implement his plan closer to the trade deadline. I mean, you don't get many trades in the first two months of the season. Right. So, last time we spoke, the Twins were just ending their season, about to start the playoffs. And 
we couldn't do the podcast last week. And let's be honest, we probably could have if we wanted to, just because you can just have your, at this point, it's 2019. You can just have your phone sitting out and the audio can be good enough. But we have a very high standard at Midweek Minnesota Sports Ramble. And also, it just would have been a really sad dumping on the Twins. And they didn't need any more of that. I think they got enough of that from fans on Twitter and the sports commentariat. And we were both just so disgusted <laughs> at the way that the, the Twins played. But a few podcasts ago, I asked the question, are the Twins donezo? And the reason why I thought they were was because of injuries. And I think that's one narrative that isn't being talked about as much, is that Kepler obviously wasn't himself. Cruz wasn't himself. What's his name? Gonzalez obviously wasn't himself. Arise was hurt, but was still the best player on the team. He's a guy, I was going to say, you want to build your team around. No, he's a singles, doubles hitter, but he's so clutch. You don't yeah. he, he, You don't want to build your team around him, but you want to keep him. If you want to trade somebody, that's fine, but I would not trade him. But the I feel like the... The Twins at all of their powers, the lineup at all of its power, would have at least shown up. They weren't able to do that because of injuries. Also, so much for the bom- the Bombas when we don't have the juiced ball. Everyone's like, oh, they took out the juiced ball for the playoffs. That's not fair. It's like, no, you know, it wasn't fair that there was a juiced ball that made it so we broke the record when we probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Well, and the, the biggest problem I had were the plate appearances weren't the same either. They were chasing bad They pitches. looked dumb. They looked they young. Looked, yeah, they looked inexperienced. Like They they all looked they like Rosario on steroids. Yeah. Because Rosario can have good play discipline throughout the year. There had been times where he looked better than others, but he looked his worst, and everybody just seemed to follow suit after that. Yeah, I mean, you don't... For a team that had a very good strikeout percentage during the regular season, to strike out 35 times in a three-game sweep, that's ridiculous. That is. So we did have another listener submission for the twin segment here. And we'll say this one is from... Well, first off, before we get back to Jeff's second question, because we're just having him basically do all of our show prep at this point, we actually have another listener submission from John Poons, who's uh, active who's active on our Twitter account. And he asks, are the twins commenting on and breaking down October baseball against the Yankees? I feel like their response was what you'd expect from a team that just got annihilated and needs to kind of look into and think about what they want to do moving forward. Like Gardenhire used to say, there's no need, if you just go over and over again and just say the same negative things over and over again, you're, it doesn't get you anyway. And I think they're, I know that they're smart enough to figure out that there are things that need to be done. And they did break it down. I thought, to get to the heart of the question itself, I thought they... They did do the sports radio circuit a little bit and had press conferences and stuff. I, I thought they did pretty good as far as, as well as you can do when your your team lost embarrassingly and just didn't show yeah, up. Yeah, you're, you're reeling. Right. It was definitely a reeling response, I mean, which the, the, I don't know if I'd want anything else. I don't want, I, I would rather have that than, oh, but we were so good during the year and we'll be good next year. It's like, no, for me, you just kind of got to wallow in it right after it happens. Yeah. Not, and there's yeah. the, the the one thing you always hear pro athletes talk about what drives them the most is not winning. It's how mm-hmm. much they hate losing. Right. And to lose the way that the twins did has to take a little bit out of you as a pro player. Right. And to still make the the circuit and not go not throw pity party, but to actually look at 
what went wrong and all that. And I mean, it's it is what it is. They they got swept, and they were they talked about it, and they just they weren't up to the task essentially. Right. Uh, but like the media department, the PR department for the twins did uh, when they did the building towards something or just the start. Right. That just type the, just of the thing. beginning, right. It, I mean, they prove that they have confidence. Mm-hmm. And confidence in sports goes a long way. Right. So I'd say they are. Uh, in the coming months, we'll see what the front office thought of the uh, makeup of this team. Mm-hmm. And what they do moving forward to make it better to compete with the Yankees in right. the postseason. Which is a good segue for Jeff's final question here. You said the sad twins, because that was one of the topics that I had teased on Twitter for this podcast. You say the sad twins, yes, they got swept out of the playoffs once again by the Yankees, but they had a better season than all projections. Couldn't this be a stepping stone to future success, provided they improve pitching? Short answer, yes. Long answer, I don't necessarily like that angle on it. Because I feel like if you if your perspective is look at how much we overachieved with the little that we did last year, because we didn't do much last year in the offseason, then that gives you a foundation to say, well, if we didn't do that much last offseason, we don't have to do much this offseason. The same thing will happen again. No, you still need to do more. And here's the thing. This front office has incrementally done a little bit more each year it's been in charge. So I have faith that they will. I don't think they're going to do exactly the same as they did last year, where they just kind of filled in some gaps. You get Scope, you get Crone, you get Cruz, you get Perez. Pineda's finally back. But For how long? Right, you, you do a little bit with the bullpen, but not a whole lot. I was a little underwhelmed, but I felt like it was a good it, it was good to do that as part of the larger process. Well, you know what? We overachieved. Now we need to actually do things on the next level. And I have faith, despite the entire past of the Twins organization, that we will go to the next level. And uh, Jeff said, provided they improve pitching. That's the big thing. You have to you have to have at least two starters behind Barrios that can do something. It doesn't have to be Garrett Cole, though we have the money to do it. And he did amazing again today for the Astros. What, seven innings, no runs again? Like, he's just insane. I wouldn't mind overpaying for him, but you have to at least do something. And I, I think they will. And to I agree with you on that narrative of, well, we weren't supposed to be good this year, but we were good and we made the playoffs. So it was a success of a season. Yeah, the season was a success. You made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's that's what every team wants to do is make the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, you have a chip share and a chance, as they but say. But the problem with that philosophy or whatever is Mm -hmm. is expectations is a sliding scale yep at the beginning of the year expectations were low yeah the team started to play good and everybody realized that it was a good ball club so the expectation scale slid so going into next year you have to start where that scale ended right so you have to address things of need in the offseason which is pitching they have one starter under yeah. contract. Right. And that's Barrios. Yeah. So you need to go out and find four starters. Right. I would not complain about bringing Odorizzi back. I would like that. He was he was decent. Yeah. 
So that leaves you three. Solid number three pitcher, I would say. Yeah. So you got a you got a two and a three. Mm-hmm. So you need to go find yourself a one, four, and five. Right. Or even a one and a two. Which is a great chord progression, by the way. One, four, five, the foundation of all blues and country music. Anyway, go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to... Yeah, I, I like that philosophy because that, that doesn't give you... That doesn't make it so there's a lot of pressure outside of getting the ace. You get the ace, then you can get... You can re-sign Perez. You can get somebody for the back end. Don't re-sign Gibson. No, I th- love you, Kyle Gibson. You're the nicest guy in the world, but... It's time what, to move on. Right. What represents the old twins way more than Kyle Gibson? At this point, it's more of a philosophical thing than it is a a practical thing. Although it is a practical thing, too. All right, so to wrap up the proceedings here, Peter, I believe you have a couple of probabilities for our award-winning decade percentages and probability segment, correct? Yes. Uh, right. Let's start with the first one. It's still a bit early, but it is NFL season after all, and... After the Vikings blew the doors off the Eagles, people are thinking of postseason football. Playoffs. <clears throat> so, here's which one of these is more probable. Kirk Cousins gunslinging the Vikings to a victory in a primetime game, or the Motor City Kitties winning a game in the playoffs? Mm. Ooh, that's good. I would say... Cousins winning a primetime game is more probable. Going back to what I said earlier in the podcast about blind squirrel acorn, I was going to say philosophy, but we've been using that word a lot in this podcast, and I'm not sure if we know what that word actually means. We're just kind of throwing it out there. Philosophy, it's four syllables. That's like two syllables longer than an east side word. So, but as much of a fan I am, as much of a fan I am of the Lions, I guess I did say that right the first time. And I do think that they're better than advertised coming into the season. The NFC is pretty competitive, especially the NFC North. I feel like it'll be tough for them to make the playoffs. So with the combination of Cousins having the ability to be able to make something happen and just the amount of competition the Lions have, I would say it's more probable that Cousins wins the primetime game. He's got more chances. Right. And that that too. Yeah. So the other one... Gives you three options. One season just started. One season just ended. One season is about to start. And we haven't talked about which the third team is. So which of these is more probable? The Twins signing a top flight free agent for pitching. The Wild acquiring a top six center. Or the Timberwolves winning double digits. (laughs) So... The Timberwolves winning more than nine games. It's <laughs> brilliant. Um, well, that's not going to happen, no. Uh, by the way, this is a good time for a plug. Next week, we're going to have our first returning article from our Wolves analyst, Bear Trap McManus, who's going to be doing a little NBA preview, Wolves preview blog. Think about having him on the podcast at some point, maybe once a month, just to do a State of the Wolves, if it's even worth paying attention to or explicating at all. There's another word that is outside my east side vocabulary that I'm just kind of pulling out of my rear end. But anyway, I did. I do I do have a degree in words. So that's not gonna happen, no. So between the other two, I obviously the Wolves are gonna win more than nine games. <laughs> that was throwing in like, just... that's great. <laughs> that, 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 for the sake of the bit, man. We're slaves to the bit. That's fine. But I do think that, actually, the other two probably aren't very probable. 
the Twins picking up a top flight pitcher, I'd probably go with just because they do have the need and they have the money. And like I said earlier, I do think they are going to going to make that next step in this offseason. The, the need might not even be there for the Wild if they start out poorly enough. That's already 50-50. Maybe next? Well, I think they'll be in serious rebuild if they don't do well this year, right? You think? Kaprasov is coming next season. Oh. All right. Man, what a wild card that guy is. So, yeah, good percentages and probabilities there, Pete. Thanks for joining me, as always. No problem. Happy to be here. Peter Ripka, the Wild and Twins analyst for Rambling On here on the Midweek Minnesota Sports Ramble podcast. Check out our Twitter account at MN Sports Ramble. And as I mentioned, this is a segment on the Eric Ridland Isn't So Bad podcast, which will technically be debuting on October 28th. These podcasts are kind of an advertisement for that. And it'll be the Wednesday segment on that show. You can check out more about that on facebook.com slash ericritlandisb. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next week.